Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, im Grunde sind es doch die Verbindungen mit Menschen, die dem Leben seinen Wert geben. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and this week, I'm still not joined by my co-host Simon. I ain't sending you no postcard, Maddox. Instead, we have the wonderful Delini Algamar filling in as co-host. Regular listeners will know Dilly from previous guest appearances, but for new listeners, Dilly is just another of the many who bemoan the sale of Christmas staples stolen in September. Boo! And like any sane person, <laughs> she is deeply critical of the rich staying rich on all months of the year. Hmm. Well, Dilly, what's your problem with the rich? Is it that they buy all the Christmas stolen before you can? It's only the rich that can buy it, and it's the even richer that can buy stolen together with blue cheese, Nick Horton. Are you saying I'm some sort of champagne socialist? My God, what an accusation right off the bat. I'm sorry, was I too subtle? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. You were, Dilly. Far too subtle for my liking. Yeah, no, I think I can buy into that ethos. Maybe not the, I don't know, I like Christmas decorations in September. I don't have a massive issue with it. There's plenty of the shops around here have started selling all their Christmas stuff. Is that something that you find a little bit unnerving? Um, it upsets the rhythm, I think, uh, because it's suddenly like, oh no, like, you know, half the year is gone that you reserve mm. it for June. And then you mm. see Stalin and uh, Christmas cookies the next month. And, mm. uh, you know, you... You're used to a way of life, and uh, this is this is not right. We should be out in the streets. <laughs> we should be enjoying <laughs> the autumn months, not rushing straight to Christmas. What happened to pumpkin? You know, there's nothing wrong with some pumpkins and apples. <laughs> I tell you, we drove uh, to my parents-in-law at the weekend. One of the things I love about where they live is it's like when it's Sunday, there is like no one around. It's proper yeah. Bavarian. There's just no one on the street. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, it's the end of the world. But we drove past a, um, it was about five tables, just chocker full with um, with Kerbis, with, with pumpkins. Mm -hmm. And I said to my wife, I was like, should we buy one? She's like, buy one, we're buying three. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, I guess we're eating Kerbis for the next couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to pumpkin soup. Do you buy off of these tables that they have in, in some of these small towns where they have like produce, gourds mostly and pumpkins and things like that, and you pay in a little box? Have you ever done that before? I moved in December to a place where you would think I mm. would find produce, you know, stocked up uh, along the street, but I haven't come across that. Really? Quite sadly. So I'm in Sachsen-Anhalt. Mm. I'm in Weissenfels. It's quite, it's even a confession when I say I live in Weissenfels, if you look it up, know that they've touched up the photos. And that's why it looks good. <laughs> There's a lot of Instagram filters going on. They're going to drive me out, the townspeople, if they listen to this. <laughs> so it's very green and you've got lots of meadows mm. and farmlands. And what you do have are uh, apple trees along the sides. And nice. uh, my boyfriend was nice enough to stop on a couple of days um, and we picked apples. I also don't know if I'm confessing to a crime on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been scrumping for apples? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Let's hope the German authorities do not listen to English podcasts. I wouldn't have thought there was a law against picking apples, but we are in Germany and let's be honest... There's the laws about most things, so maybe maybe we'll edit this bit out of the podcast. <laughs> I'd hate to get you in trouble. Um, Nick, what is the black, uh, is it elderberry, the black reddish berry? 
Holunder. What is it in English? It's not cranberries, is it? It's uh No. Oh god. I know what it is. I'm going to look it up. I I miss Simon. Oh yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. You're the replacement, man. And you're you're complaining. <laughs> cranberry. Why would you say cranberry? I can't because honestly, I don't know my my berries. I think it's elderberry and you oh, yeah. have loads of it. And I tasted one mm-hmm. and I didn't really have anything. Like I didn't have a bag mm-hmm. or anything, so I just left it there. Then later I read that there is elderberry if it is holunder, and then there is also the poisonous elderberry that you don't want to pick. So oh, I just yeah. you know stayed with the apples. It is uh, holunder. I should have known that as uh-huh. a as a boy of the countryside. But what can I say? I'm a statkind. Shame on you. Yeah, what can I say? I drink multivitamin saft. It's not in multivitamin saft, so I don't know what it is. If it's not a combination of fruits that I drink on a regular basis. <laughs> Didn't you just a couple of months ago go on a pub crawl in the morning? What's that got to do with what's that got to do with fruit? You said I drink zaft. I didn't expect you to say that. Oh well, only for breakfast. Come on. I'm not drinking pints of beer on a breakfast, you know. Not unless it's a breakfast beer, like one of the well established breakfast beers, like a, a Radler, that would make a good breakfast beer. Or you're just making this up as you go along. I'm not making it up. Breakfast beer is a real thing. Well-established breakfast beers. Yeah, co- are you saying that I'm telling porky pies <laughs> on the podcast? You're, you're a very contentious uh, guest co-host, you know. If I'd known that you were going to be like this, I would have just invited somebody else. <laughs> no, no, but like the concept of breakfast beer is a beer that you would drink like early in the morning. Oh, Simon back from his holiday. Yeah, I mean, Simon, Simon just lets me talk shit without ever challenging me. I feel like this is, uh, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> um, no, like um, if I was going on a, a session, right, I might start early. If I was going to watch a Newcastle game and the game kicked off at 12, mm-hmm. I'd have a beer with breakfast. But you don't want to drink any beer with breakfast because... It's breakfast, right? So having something that was like maybe a bit sweet or something that's the the Beck's have a, a good line in sort of Beck's lime. Beck's lime is a solid breakfast beer, definitely. You could drink a couple of those before you realized you were drinking beer. So you seem shocked. You people introduced tea to us. I'm from Sri Lanka. I drink black tea. <laughs> and that's still your fault. Hey, hey, you say you say your people like I had any control. <laughs> <laughs> have you not read twitter the past few days nick oh god yeah i mean i suppose we better get into it right um we can talk a bit about your new location but i feel like we would be skipping the elephant in the room which was obviously uh, we're recording on on tuesday and it's the day mm-hmm. after the queen's funeral yep uh did you watch any of it i've caught bits bits and pieces of it uh on tiktok and twitter i've seen a few videos mm. i've read a couple of articles in the guardian I mean, there was one article written from the perspective of George and Charlotte, who were at the funeral. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I saw and that one too. As much as I love kids, I uh, do not like articles written from the perspective of George and Charlotte, because it's just making the monarchy look very cute and approachable, and I don't like that. Are you, are you saying the monarchy isn't cute and approachable? They've got a TikTok now. Come on. <laughs> TikTok with King Charles. <laughs> Yeah, I read that article too. Uh, that's the thing I really hate. And they were talking about how that no one's ever forced in the royal family, although they are obviously forced to do things, but no one's ever forced. Mm-hmm. They were advised to do things and they would have been advised that Prince George should go to the funeral to show the direct line of succession. And I was just like, who are these absolute bellends who are giving that kind of advice? <laughs> 
but like it's a small kid going to his grandma's funeral i mean that's quite normal but it doesn't need to be oh it's in order to show our sort of unbroken line of succession i feel that's a little bit ridiculous but um i watched almost the entire thing Mm -hmm. and what struck you well this is what i did this i think this is the way it turns out the way to watch a monarch's funeral is to mark exam papers while listening to led zeppelin and having the the funeral in the background so i was actually like listening to stairway to heaven as the casket was lowered it was lowered <laughs> into the vault and i was like well that's appropriate and it was pure random it just came on and i was like well this is it's like led zeppelin knew yep. that this was what i wanted to hear in this present moment but um i don't know i mean there was a point yesterday as they got to uh windsor castle where i was like i was watching it kind of on my own in the office and i was like maybe Maybe I should go downstairs and sort of watch it on the main TV and my daughter and my wife were in the kitchen. And I was like, maybe my daughter will like ask some questions about it. And frankly, she was totally disinterested. (laughs) But as I put it on, the bagpipes started and my daughter's got a a thing for the doodle sack. She loves bagpipes. I don't know what that's about. So she heard that and came running and was just like looking at the imagery and everything. Obviously couldn't take it in, didn't know what the hell was going on, but she loved the bagpipes. And I kept saying to my wife, it's like so weird watching this. And she's like, why is it weird? And I was like, because it's all the imagery of things you've seen before, mm-hmm. but in a context that you've never seen it. So mm-hmm. seeing all the soldiers and bearskins lined up around Windsor Castle and seeing the route lined with the sort of troops and seeing all these, mm-hmm. these symbols you usually associate with celebration, mm-hmm. um, that was a little bit jarring. And they're like throwing flowers at the hearse as it drove past. And then people were clapping and the occasional like, God save the queen or God save the king. And uh, I mean, I suppose I can say it now. I fucking hated all of it. I hated hated all of it. I hated what it represented. I thought it was just like, I was sad that someone had died and there's a family that have lost a a relative because I'm not a monster. But just the utter shite that came with it, the queue, talking about the queue and... All these people like, like enforced mourning and sort of, yeah. I don't know. I was, I'm frankly more interested in what you thought of it, given that you come from Sri Lanka. I mean, like former colony, et cetera, et cetera. What did you take away from it? I think my feelings were very raw uh, because this was just after the Platinum Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that, I mean, they used the Jubilee to reestablish themselves that was mm-hmm. obviously a celebration, but the quote that I remember from it was um, Prince William uh, saying on stage, not everyone gets to talk about how old their mm-hmm. grandmother is. And um, obviously he was very proud of her. She was 90 something. But all I could think of was, well, yeah, you, you keep her live till 100, 90, whatever, because you have the best doctors, you, mm-hmm. you, you have access to everything, and that is your privilege. And the fact that these people can say something like that and not realize the whys and the hows, mm-hmm. that to me, uh, that left me a little, uh, I mean, my mother says I'm very bitter about the royal family and the rich people. In that sense, it left me quite bitter. Uh, because my mother mm-hmm. is uh, one of the Diana fans. And uh, she always had these Diana cutouts. And uh, I mean, it's something that we share. I mean, we watch YouTube videos when we are together and so on. But then Mm. the funeral is also, again, you're just reestablishing your place in society, in the community, in politics, and all these heads of nations 
hobnobbing and and you realize just how concentrated all the power is in the hands of very few rich powerful people it's mm-hmm. quite scary um to be honest i mean even these videos that we've seen earlier like prince harry with uh, queen elizabeth you know uh, going uh, saying boo to the obamas or something it's it was something about the invictus games and um mm-hmm. you know there was this video going around and even then i mean um, i mean i mean obviously i mean these people are very close to each other they are powerful they are influential and everything that happens i mean it's at the hands of few people that mm-hmm. to me is scary and the fact that they know mm-hmm. each other very well on that basis i was having this discussion yesterday with a group of british friends i was the only one out of this group who actually watched the funeral and mm-hmm. I appreciate the historic importance of the event and like how many people have seen the funeral of a monarchy that is still alive today, not many. And so like I, I wanted to see it to say that I'd seen it and also because I'm going to teach about it in the in the winter semester. So I'm going to have to like, know my, my queens from my kings, right? But I'd basically said to them that I think it's a perfect representation of all the problems that Britain has and I wrote about this the other the other week. There's no celebrations in Britain that don't revolve around monarchy. And it's mm-hmm. this belief that Britain is somehow personified by the monarch. Mm-hmm. And that's what one of the guys said to us. Oh, well, you know, she personifies Britain. And I was like, well, what? Like, to delve a bit deeper into that concept. What is it she personifies? Is it the golden piano she has? Is the golden piano, is that the thing that personifies Britain? And I said, like, well, I don't think she personifies the 16% of kids in the northeast who live under the poverty line you know mm-hmm. and it's this it's this pretense that somehow monarchy is representative and it's like it's not they're not representative and the, the stuff they do isn't representative of normal people and the king saying oh i think people are going to have a hard winter means fuck all in my mind like it, it, it just doesn't mean anything it doesn't it's just him saying it and it's like oh yeah. well, he's showing leadership or he's showing he cares and i'm like if he cared he would Start paying corporation tax. It's sell that crown. Yeah. Return the jewels. Like how much money do the like the, the sit on? It's not even just the money, it's the the symbolism of like the class system in Britain pervades everything, every aspect of society, every aspect of culture. And you can ignore it, but it's always there. And there's there's still a thing in Britain about the, the expectation that the person in charge will have a cut glass accent and will have gone to a good school, you know, and all of those things. The foundation stone of the class system is the monarchy. When you, the head of state is only ever coming from a tiny pool of, of one family, that for me is a fundamental issue. And I reckon once you remove that as a, as a concept, then you can start having discussions about the country in a way that you just can't when you're praising someone's duty. And that's all like, that the British don't really have language to communicate no. what they think about the monarchy. So they talk about duty and service. And I'm like, yeah. don't talk to us about that. Talk to the bloody NHS. Talk to the people who are on strike because they can't pay the bills. Sacrifice. Yeah, like talk about sacrifice. They talk, I mean, this language of sacrifice and ser- yeah. service it's very misplaced and, and and the way that people were like oh there's some one of the quotes i think it was jk rowling and and i apologize to listeners for bringing jk rowling into the discussion <laughs> she's not uh, someone i really want to quote but the quote was so fucking stupid she said that um she fulfilled her constitutional role without complaint for 70 years right that's 
the thing, is it? That she didn't fucking complain for 70 years. Like, first off, okay. <laughs> what did she have to complain exactly, about? What did she have to complain about, right? And that's that side of it. But the other side that is like, that's what you want from your head of state, is someone that you're essentially imprisoned for 70 years and they can't complain about or say anything or do anything. I'm not actually sure in Britain who are the captives and who are the, the captors. Like... It feels a lot of the time that the, the royal family are the captives in all of this, and the public are like desperate to mm-hmm. have this someone who's better than them, someone who's born to rule, and all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, what happens when you have a monarchical TikTok account and they start marrying celebrities? Like, what point do we realize we've just got the Kardashians as the head of state? Is it when we get the reality TV show? I don't know. I just found it all a bit draining for the last 10 days. Um, But did you notice any of the German reactions to the funeral or or to the Queen's death? Did you read anything in the the news that was surprising maybe? I don't know if I was mistaken. I, I don't think I've caught up on the German news and the German reactions to the funeral. There was one photo on Twitter of Armin Laschet I mean, on the best of days, I don't want to see that man. And here he was in some kind of like, like. Uh, it was the fashion costume he was wearing. Yeah, was it? That was not him at the yeah. funeral. Please tell me he wasn't. No, no, at the it funeral. wasn't even the funeral. Okay. No. So the joke uh, for listeners, the joke was there was a picture of Armin Laschet doing the rounds on Twitter, but he was dressed in his, his finery for the uh, fashion celebrations earlier this year, and he looked like he would have fit in with all the pomp and ceremony. To be perfectly honest, but um. The last thing I'll say on this is it's interesting that the Prime Minister Liz Truss today has basically come out and said that she doesn't really care about the the plight of the poor and that they're essentially going to uh, allow yep. bankers to have massive bonuses. And I'm like, there's your problem, right? There's your problem. Like, we've all been sitting around going, oh, it's a shame the Queen's dead while these fuckers are in the background yep. planning how to screw us all over. And it's just yep. like, well... If Britain doesn't want to do anything about it, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna force their hand. You know, if they just want to ignore it and talk about whether Meghan Markle should have held hands with Prince Harry or not at the funeral of his grandmother, just exhausting debates of such levels of stupidity. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh, yeah, or just like Meghan Markle's a different color from the rest of the royal family, but that's not the reason I'm insulting her. You know, that's the sort of shit you're getting online. Yeah. Or the what yeah. was it? Yeah. There, were, there was people talking about. Um, I think it was the Archbishop of Canterbury's sermon and he said something about service and true service and how it was more meaningful than people who tried to cling on to power. And straight away, the sort of lefty Twitter was like, oh, he's talking about Boris Johnson. And I'm like, he has a seat in the House of Lords because he's the Archbishop, (laughs) not because anyone elected him. And he's talking about privilege and everyone's going, oh, but he's making fun of Boris Johnson. So that's good. I'm like, you fucking idiots. Like, you deserve your monarchy. (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'm a bit abrasive on this i don't know <laughs> maybe you have too many opinions maybe i should shut up no oh, no, no i i i uh, i i've had a jumble of opinions on this so um i was mm. we were wondering whether the sri lankan president um an unelected head of state again mm. would go to the funeral i mean the economy in sri lanka is in shambles and um yeah the country is in a really bad place and the last thing you want is the president uh, with or without a delegation flying to the mm. UK, um, I mean, spending taxpayer money on a flight and going to the UK to a funeral 
done in all extravagance when the people mm-hmm. are, people in the UK are also uh, looking at a very harsh winter, looking at hunger and poverty, children without mm-hmm. food, for instance. Mm-hmm. And yes, he jolly well did go to England with um, either he was the ninth person in the delegation or there were eight in all. But, you know, he did go. Was it you that said, like, he's leaving a country full of hungry people to go to a funeral in a country with equally hungry people? Yes, that was me. Yeah, and I was just like, fucking damn, like, that's so on point. And I was just like, yeah, you totally summed it up exactly that. Like, just poverty to poverty, you know? Yeah, well, I guess we need to talk about something that isn't based around people's funerals so let's uh, let's talk about you dilly let's talk about you when we last spoke to you and you were on the show you were sort of preparing to move clearly you you've moved now how was the move and what's the new location like um so i moved for work and i moved to weissenfels in sachsen-anhalt because i was going to start uh, teaching in a school here and mm. I've changed the school since, but I'm still based in Weissenfels. And mm. um, it was a very quick move, so I didn't really uh, get to check out the town before I got the job. And mm-hmm. the thing is, I don't know if you've seen an East German city like this. I mean, first impressions, you come here, you park the car, uh, you drive in, and you see empty, ruined buildings on either side. The windows are broken uh, if they are not boarded up. And sometimes um, roofs have caved in. And I was pretty shocked uh, the first couple of days, the first few weeks. But then the nice things about it have been that um, the people mm-hmm. have been quite nice. I'm looking at a photo of Weissenfeld now. It looks quite attractive. <laughs> but like you said, it might be using some of them Instagram filters. Don't be fooled, Nick. You said it was not as attractive, maybe, as you expected it to be? or Rather than attractive, it, it's just a sense of ruin and desperation. And it's like in a war zone, to be honest. There are so many empty buildings. And sometimes there are many empty buildings that you have to walk by. And if you're a woman mm. and it's in winter and it's dark, you don't feel quite yeah. safe. I mean, uh, there are no zebra crossings. The pavement just like flattens off where people are supposed to cross and then it picks up again. That's it. It's very different to what uh, I'm used to and what I've seen. I never at all expected this. Yeah, you don't really feel safe. And it's, um, and I, I mean, I spoke to people after that, of course. And it turns out that um, the buildings are owned by a lot of people who are not interested in the city or their property anymore. And you just mm. have a bunch of very empty buildings lying around. And uh, But like people are nice and I know my pharmacist and I have a very nice doctor here. I uh, nod and smile regularly at people that I mm. see regularly. I mean, it's the usual mm. town life that you would know. And it's very mm. green and you have eagles and hawks and uh, like nice wildlife, even deer, mm. which also means that they sell a lot of venison. <laughs> Oh, right. In the first week, though, I had like a couple of bad experiences. So I was waiting mm. on the pavement for a bus and there was a car that came at me and went past me and it had wheels on the pavement. And that sort of thing tends to scare me because it's East Germany and I'm brown and I'm not entirely sure how I should approach that. So, mm. I mean, that also colored my view of having moved to Weissenfels. That's the sort of image that the people who live in 
Bavaria or, or what people would term West Germany. I don't like using the West East division, but that's often mm-hmm. what people will talk about. They have this imagery of, of the East and of Saxony-Anhalt in particular, and that it's a hub of racism and the AfD and, yeah. and all of these. They've got a lot of power in that area. I'm always of the opinion that you've got to sort of speak to the people to get a sense of yeah. of what these areas are like, and not and it's not a monolith, is it? It's not everyone's got the same opinions. Yeah, I mean, again, looking at the pictures, it looks like you've got this like nice looking town centre with the this the fountain and these quite lovely looking. It's like one place from different angles, Nick. It's a one town square square from different angles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you're exactly right. That's basically the images that you get. A, a sort of. I mean, you know, like, we switched from a funeral. I don't know how how this is better, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Well, um, it's going to get worse, Dilly, because I'm going to ask you about everyone's favourite hellhole, uh, which is IKEA or IKEA, because anyone who's moved house has to spend at least 75% of their time wandering around an Ikea going, do I need this? Is this what I need? Is this what I need? I'm not sure if I need this. I might need it in the future. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Might I need this in the future? So um, how's, uh, how's the seventh circle of furniture hell treating you? Have you been to Ikea a lot recently? I moved also from a single apartment to a two-bedroom, mm-hmm. I mean two-room apartment. And that felt like mm-hmm. a triumph till I realized that not everyone delivers things to Weissen first. And if they do, it's like on a, right. you know, like a, a twice a year kind of basis. I might be mm-hmm. exaggerating a little for effect there, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. And um, I've ordered something from Ikea, a shelf, mm-hmm. a bookshelf. And uh, someone comes up and they give me the long bits. You know, they look like ladders. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, thank you. Uh, should I help you with the rest? You know, with where you... You know the sh- actual shelf bit where you keep the books. Because no, this is it. What did you do? Did you, did you get a bookshelf with no shelves? Yeah, just the bit where you know it actually looks like a ladder, and that's you know the standing bits. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's been a little disappointing because that means that my books are lying around, and I would yeah, really yeah. like to see some order. And if you've ever moved, you would know. I mean, you've moved. You moved co- more than you moved once, countries, yeah. so you would know. But I know what you mean, like having sort of detritus everywhere. You just want to get in and you want to pack all the stuff up. I mean, you serve us meatballs. You know, Ikea, yeah. you know, the nice meatballs and everything. And this is what you do? No, no, this does not fly. Honestly, every time my wife, my wife does this, and I think it's a test. I'm pretty sure it's a test. She'll, she'll, she'll sort of turn around on a Saturday morning and go, you know, I think we need to go to Ikea. And I'm like, <laughs> are you, is this like a marital test? Are you... <laughs> pushing my buttons here because I've, I've said I've, like from the moment we got together i'll never go to ikea on a saturday i hate it and i'd have done but i'll only go on my own because i'll be damned if i'm walking through the entire shop because when i go to ikea i go in the back way straight into the warehouse get to the computer type in what i'm looking for take it off the shelf and leave i never walk around ikea because that's how the fucking get you that's the trick right they make you walk around the entire shop and you spend 70 euros buying stuff you don't need. It's a psychology textbook in a building. Oh, yeah. Didn't I see lavender, little pillows of lavender for the, you know, for the clothes? They have these little pillows of mm. lavender. And they have yeah, it yeah, not yeah. in one place, not in two. They have it around every corner. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. tricky. In little baskets. Or mm. have like, you go with a child, that's even worse because they just pick up everything and go, Ooh. Dada, Dada, Egvildis, Egvildis, Bitter, Bitter, Bitter. And you say, like, oh, 
no, you don't need a cuddly toy of some crappy dinosaur. Like, no. Have it down there for the children to reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Clever. We went, uh, we actually went to, is it Mermax? I think it was Mermax that we went to. And they've got exactly the same setup. It's exactly the same design of like this labyrinth shop that you have to like go through every aspect before you can get the stuff you want. And uh, I just find them appalling places, full of appalling people. And if I'm in there, that makes me appalling too. So, and there's no meatballs in the world that'll ever make that any better, I don't mm. think. And those uh, oat cookies that they sell by the hundred—that's <laughs> the smallest <laughs> box you'll find. <laughs> I know, but if you go in the back way, you go to that bit first, and then you buy it, and then you leave, and you don't have to Clever. engage. Okay. You know, it's the skills. But yeah, I think uh, we've just bought a, a baby bed. Well, it's not a baby bed, it's a toddler bed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's great, but it's the assembling of furniture. Like, if you move house and you buy all new furniture... I don't know how it stays put. It's just pieces yeah. of wood that you, like, kind of... They're not even real nails. You just, like, paste <laughs> them together and they're supposed to stand there for 10 years. It's a wonder. <laughs> don't take it down because you'll never get it back up i am yeah. curious though did your new apartment have a, a kitchen or did you have to get a new kitchen it had a kitchen but um wow. i think i should also confess at this point that i found a lovely apartment in a building meant mm. for people with a little mobility and ah, um, okay. so um, for some reason my apartment came with a kitchen and that's one reason why I chose the apartment. I mean, also we have like lots of people going in and out of the house, nurses, mm-hmm. and um, I'm next to a children's park, a, a play park yeah. or a playground. And that meant that there are always people hanging around and children mm-hmm. and parents. And mm-hmm. there is also the um, the fire station. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Since I was moving to... <laughs> A city where like almost, I mean, where most of the buildings are empty and derelict. I figured that Mm -hmm. I'd best move next to the fire station because that'll have like 24 hour employees sitting around watching TV and eating donuts Mm -hmm. if I watch the correct movies. So yeah. <laughs> that's how it works, right? I mean, is yeah. it, if, if, was that an intentional sort of safety thing that you've decided? Yeah. Like you yeah. thought, yeah, I get that. Because my boyfriend lives in Frankfurt and it meant that I'm also here quite a bit on my own. And uh, I, I like the feeling of nurses coming in and out twice a day, you know, the main door. Mm. And you have people delivering meals to uh, tenants who can't cook for themselves and to me, that's a safety thing. No, I totally get that, yeah. But I mean, since I've, I, I've, I, I've seen like regular couples walking their dogs, uh, children playing. Um, I mean, it's, it's as nice a city as it can be. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is something you see online all the time. Like, and I do it. I'm guilty of it as, as much as anyone else. Like the drive to see the negatives. Mm. I think even in places where it's perfectly fine, people will still be getting annoyed about impolite supermarket staff or something like that and i think it is a very like people who for me people who complain about bavaria because people are maybe a bit rude or whatever it's pure privilege like i always find that it's like i try not to complain about that stupid shit if i complain about something i would like to think i'm complaining about something with substance said the guy right wrote an entire blog about sandwiches but (laughs) the um but and, and, and inconsistency cheese. let's not forget yeah the yeah i mean cheese. i mean okay i'm like everyone's a, every i've said before everyone's a bloody hypocrite you know so um because we're all inconsistent but i do think 
there is a big difference culturally from the eastern states to the western states and northern and southern states there is a range of difference and i think it's very easy to forget certainly for people like myself or, or men like myself that the kinds of challenges you do face in different areas and the challenges you face is not just a woman of color but just a woman in general mm. like i wouldn't have thought about safety i would have been like a price and affordability that would have been my instinct but like the fact you've actually had to think about that in a lot of depth but um at least it did have a kitchen i mean <laughs> it had a kitchen and i have a bathroom you know what a privilege it is in germany to have an apartment with a bathroom that has a window right and um my bathroom overlooks the roman catholic church uh, i mean that's the backyard <laughs> Do you give them a wave in the morning? And and the easiest thing for me is to just open the window and whatever, like, you know, little stuff I've watched just after the shower, I just hang it on my balcony yeah. from the window. Yeah. And then I realize, ah, shit. <laughs> they just had the Sunday service and they're kneeling. <laughs> and I think I just flashed them. <laughs> oh, you're going to scandalize the priests. <laughs> But um, I mean, the reason I was talking about the kitchens is I'd seen a um, an interview with Georgia Stanway. She's like English football international, and she's just moved to Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, "Oh, I didn't realize places didn't come without kitchens, and I don't have a kitchen." And I told you, it's one of those things you forget when you've you've not moved for a couple of years that you're like, "Oh yeah, there's like some places don't have kitchens." No, the Germans take their kitchens with them. Yeah. And the light switches, you know, and anything else they can get their hands on. I, w- I moved into a place that had no light fittings or anything. Absolutely oh, I nothing. didn't have light fittings either. And th- they were just, Wild I mean, up. they were just holes in the walls uh, in the, um, mm-hmm. on the ceiling. Uh, mm-hmm. They'd just taken it all with them. Uh, but I did see apartments without kitchens. And I really like the building. It's, a, it's an Altbau building. And there is mm-hmm. the charm of tall windows, tall ceilings. And I really like mm-hmm. that. I haven't furnished it. There is an echo, but you know, it's nice to look at. I mean, we'll not we'll not talk about the echo on the podcast, right? <laughs> Producer gives me a stern look. Um, yeah, <laughs> I really admire the fact that you've decided to sort of take the plunge and move somewhere that not a lot of people would consider moving to. I think it takes a lot of fortitude to move once, but to move again to a different area. Is it somewhere you think you're going to put roots down or is this something that you think, oh, maybe in a few years I'll I'll consider moving to a different part? Is it kind of giving you a, a sense of freedom that you could basically exist anywhere in Germany? Financially, the fact that the apartments and houses here don't cost as much as they do in Hessen, for instance, it's a huge incentive. But at the same mm. time, my experience in schools and um, means that I do wonder if I, I mean, uh, it's not just that it's like having children and where would I send them mm. to school are they going to be in mm-hmm. this school and mm-hmm. are they going to be taught physics by this teacher and these mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. questions I I do miss Hessen a lot it's a very different flair it's a different way of life altogether I didn't mean to imply that the, the schools here are worse or better than anywhere else it's just that um, I think there is also a German rule about sending kids to uh, schools close to your home like my experience is knowing teachers and sort of knowing schools and you do know too much about the inner workings of the school and you know too much about things that are happening and I think when you're close in with education you see all the positives but you also see all the negatives that maybe normal parents don't 
get to see. And I think that's the challenge, isn't it? It's like with any school, you're like, oh, like you know maybe too much about that physics teacher or you know something about the caretaker or whatever it is. You know the inner workings in a way that normal parents don't. And so it gives you pause for thought in a way that you probably wouldn't if you were just like, oh, I'm sending my child to this school. And it's like my wife will tell me stories about her colleagues or whatever. And and they're not necessarily negative, but it colors your judgment. Um, like even something positive that I would find positive. If I, like, I met a teacher and we're a geography teacher and they like to get pissed at the weekend and watch football. And I'd be like, that's great. But if I have a kid, part of me is like, do I want my kid? Going mm-hmm. to school with that teach where the teacher I know is like mm-hmm. every Saturday is on it, you know, and and every Saturday is, is or every Sunday morning comes home with a hangover, you know. It's sort yeah. of it's a bit too. There's too much information, too much, yeah. too much knowledge, maybe. I think I'll also be one of those nightmare parents at the Elton Abend because you know the inner workings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know exactly which questions to ask. Because I teach English, I'm going to be a pain in the ass for any English teacher. My daughter's going to have a Geordie accent, and she's when she goes "e canny" or "how we a man" or something like that, and the, someone says that as a negative, I'll be like, "I'm going to lose my mind." I'll be like, "Sorry, but my daughter speaks a dialect, and that's okay." And I'll know yeah. I'll be a pain in the ass because they'll be like, "Oh, we marked your daughter down because of this preposition," and I'm like, "Yeah, but in Newcastle we don't use that preposition," so, <laughs> and it's like what English are you teaching my child, you know? So I can, I know I'll be a fucking problem. Oh, yeah. I will be, yeah. definitely. I'm already this English teacher because I think uh, the the students like to know that they already speak English and that they are fine. Uh, I mean, the point is to be understood. But I think the mm. rest of the school and the, the other English teachers are, uh, are also worried about the variety of English that is being taught in the school. Yeah. And they're like, you know, we speak Oxford English here, Miss Algama. Yeah. And um, I don't have that to say. I don't think any of us speak in Oxford English here. I haven't said that. And I just nod. I take out notes at the meetings and then I go and teach mm. English as, yeah. as I can. And the students like to hear that, oh, okay, it's fine. You know, mm. they learn English on TikTok, on Facebook, and it's very relevant to them, actually. It's more normal English than they'll hear in the classroom, I imagine. Yeah, and they can't sift through varieties and just have input from British English, uh, or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little mini revolution. <laughs> Someone said that to me, it's like, we like to teach Oxford English. And I was like, and I just said, how many of the kids go to Oxford? <laughs> and they were just like, they were like what? And I was like, well... Well, that's great. I mean, it's great that you're teaching Oxford English, but do you do realize most of the Siemens facilities are in either the northeast or the north of England? They don't teach or speak Oxford English because that isn't a thing, you know? And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, great, you might as well teach um, Mississippi English or Ohio English or like, it's mu- as much use as it'll be for them because it, ultimately the fact that the kids are exposed to multiple different types through YouTube, TikTok, um, Netflix, Amazon, Mm. they hear a lot of different types of English and none of it's standardized, none of it's Oxford English, um, particularly, whatever that might be. But I mean, maybe they'll go to Oxford and find it useful, who knows? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So, Dilly, when we talked before the show, you brought up the point about feeling more German when you head back to see your family. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot since I came back from the UK. This idea, I'm too German for the UK, not German enough for Germany. 
what sort of things have you noticed about your own behavior that might be tagged as being very German? Nick, maybe it might surprise you to know that my father calls me Angela Merkel when things go wrong, <laughs> particularly on FaceTime. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah, when, I, when I have to be very strict with my parents, my father calls me Angela Merkel. So that's where we are. And, um, oh, dear. I don't know. I, I should also say that this happens with uh, my father's neighbor, who's his cousin and one of my uncles a couple of times removed. So once uh, I had just flown to Sri Lanka, his music was very loud. It was 2 a.m. And... Uh, <laughs> I asked my father whether he could, you know, just ask him to turn it down. He said, no, we don't do that. And I was still Sri Lankan enough to know that you could. Mm. <laughs> and um, no, there was a back and forth. Um, and at some point I put on my mom's house coat over my pyjama. And I tracked over. <laughs> and I said, hello, it's me. I'm, you know, back from Germany. Do you mind awfully, you know, putting down the music because it's too loud and I can't sleep? He didn't say anything. I, he was really surprised. Um, I was told later yeah. that um, he was probably drunk and he has a thing about ghosts. He's scared of ghosts. And I get frizzy when I'm in Sri Lanka. <laughs> <laughs> so you just turned up his door and he I thought you were a ghost. I was in the garden in the dark. So <laughs> my father's still sure that the man didn't know who he was talking to. <laughs> I wonder if that's made him like, and maybe that's better than the ordnance amped, like terrifying the neighbour and uh, showing like off. a torch under my face, like they do, you know. <laughs> and you went, you went, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you deal with them. That's how you do it. I mean, that's funny because here we we still have that rule that like between twelve and two, you can't use any power tools or make any noise outside. It's twelve and three, no? Ah, okay. I, I may have got the times wrong. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know. I don't even think it's an official rule anymore. But it's the cultural rule that we follow is that we don't make any noise between twelve and two. It's a real rule, though. I've scared my uh, ex landlady with it. I sent her a message. And I said it's a wood site or something, and you know it stopped immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my father's right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because like I would if 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 it was me and my neighbours were making noise at two a.m., I wouldn't even go over and knock on the door. I'd just call the police because that would sort it very fast. Like yeah. that would, I'd say that's the most German thing to do would be just to pick up the phone and go, "Hello, Polizei, I have a problem with my nakbar." <laughs> but it's I mean that's I'm not getting dressed to go outside to tell them to shut up because I think if I did I wouldn't be very polite it's probably better that the police deal with it so maybe I'm more German than you are you might be I did suggest this to my parents I said you know in, in Germany we would have just like you know called the police if someone in another apartment was having a loud party and they were you know mm. if they were just being too loud said so yeah you know this is not Germany and that's the first thing my mother says this is not Germany you can't mm -hmm. do that here and I had the sense that I had either lost some of my Sri Lankan socialization along the way. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if I was being led to believe that or whether that was actually true. Yeah. Because if something is wrong, then I don't mind saying it. I think it happened again uh, very recently. And, um, you know, there are problems in Sri Lanka. And uh, one of the results is that they don't have the... Uh, post-exposure rabies prophylaxis for people if they're bitten by dogs. And right. 
this particular neighbor has many dogs and um, he says he's not the owner, he's not responsible for them. So that this means that the dogs that are in his compound or prop on his property are not vaccinated. And I was right. very worried about my parents because they are old and you don't really have like walls uh, separating mm. property. You have like live hedges. It's all very nice and neighborly. But that means that the dogs kind of think that the whole neighborhood belongs to them. And then I wanted to speak to a medical officer of health, if I got the title right, and say that this person has dogs that he's not vaccinating. Is there anything you can do about him? And I did send an email. I mean, this is Sri Lanka. Mm. You don't get replies to emails, but I at least wanted to try because nobody was answering the phone. I don't think you get replies to the emails in Germany. <laughs> so at least we have that in common. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Check. Bureaucracy my, doesn't work. My father was so mad at me when he learned that I had ratted out on his beloved neighbor and cousin about the very mm. dangerous dogs or the potentially dangerous dogs he has. Yeah, I got called Angela Merkel again. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you keep in score. That's another Angela Merkel. Oh, uh, well. I don't know. I think I do suspect that my Germanness and how it appears to people in in Britain might be slightly different from how it might appear to your fa friends and family in Sri Lanka. Because I feel like, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there's a, there's a more solid perception of what germanness is for for british people perhaps than it is for there is there may be like no one would call me angela merkel for a start they would just go are oh, you robot or you're just like really german because i stiff german yeah. tried to organize something yeah 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 or like or like that would be the issue but i did find and I'm, I'm curious again to know your experience do you not find after a couple of days you find like you slot in and readjust to the environment of politeness and the, the the cultural environment back in Sri Lanka. I always find after a few days, I f slot back into sort of the cheery small talk and the the general sort of polite communication and the woods coulds uh, structures. Would it be possible? Could you? And it, you find I find that very easy just to fall back into which then causes me a problem when I come back and I start trying to construct indirect sentences in German. Do you find that when you go and, and then come back again? Are you asking from a language use perspective? From language, from like just culture? Like, so, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. I did it today and it's been a few weeks since I've come back, but I like, I made a joke with the, the cashier at the supermarket and she looked through me like I was transparent. <laughs> Like it was a crap joke, and like in Britain, I think it would get like a ha, like in Germany, they just got like a look of like what what is this sentence you've said to me? It makes no sense. What is the context? I'll do that occasionally where I'd say, oh yeah, I forgot that that isn't a thing that we do here. Um, do I mean do you come back with like a, a sort of a skewed kind of cultural communication? Nick, something that kind of broke my heart even um, um, was that this time I met my brother. Um, mm -hmm. I hadn't seen him in a while and he lives in Australia and we kind of met up in Sri right. Lanka and he at some point said uh, very casually you know you're really formal with us and that really hurt and I asked him what he meant it's that I had so whatever German currency I had I was changing at, um, at the bank to rupees and he was just wondering why I had just not 
use one of my parents' bank account and just use their bank, their debit card. I said, but that's illegal. Mm. I can't use someone else's debit card, right? No, yeah, what? It, mm. Nobody would mind. Nobody would check. <laughs> nobody would care. No one would like, care. Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. I'm German. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Sri Lankan enough for my brother now. <laughs> I've got three older brothers, so they take great pleasure in pointing out my failings mm-hmm. as a human being in general but certainly any kind of germanness is sort of jumped on as, as an opportunity my eldest brother loves it because he's quite organized he's the oldest organized leadership kind of that's mm-hmm. his his thing and so when i'm like what's the plan for tomorrow we'll meet at this time we'll go here and he's like yeah and we'll do this and then we'll go for lunch here and like we've planned it all out mm-hmm. whereas if i'll say it to the brother who's closest in age to me and he's just like why don't we just make it up as we go along? That's my brother. I'm here for a holiday. We are here to relax. No times, no punctuality. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then you hear the word punctual, you know where they're getting at. You kind of leave the room mm-hmm. because you don't want to hear Angela Merkel again. I turned up to every meeting with people exactly on time and everyone met me 10, 15 minutes later than the time that we'd organized. And I just had to like keep it to myself because I'm like, I'm not going to say... fucking late which is what i want to (laughs) say that was that was a grated on me slightly it's just like just turn we said seven just turn up at seven and i was having to like just push my germanness to the side and just go shut shut up german nick don't (laughs) give them the pleasure they know what they're doing don't give them the pleasure (laughs) you reckon they're doing our purpose (laughs) the bastards (laughs) (laughs) just trying to provoke you into one of those german reactions (laughs) that's it (laughs) we said we had a verbal agreement (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is unacceptable yeah i swear if i said that i think that would be the end of most of my friendships because no one i know keeps any level of of good timekeeping and in fairness i was renowned in my family for being the worst and now i'm on time for everything and it freaks people out which is that's that's a nice aspect but it's also annoying when you have to wait 15 minutes for everyone to turn up even on my birthday invited everyone out for my birthday Everyone turns up 10, 15, 20 minutes late. And I'm sat in the pub on my own going, happy birthday to you. (laughs) (laughs) Crying into my pint. (laughs) Oh, that's something that I, um, that actually makes me a little German, I think. Um, I won't call people until it's their birthday in whatever country they're in. And my brother (laughs) happily calls me in the morning on the 10th of November to wish me for my birthday, which is on the 11th. And then uh, I have to bite my tongue. I have photographs, our photographs, like funny photographs on the fridge, on the walls. And uh, my Uh brother thinks, no, you know, this is not something he does. It's not very Sri Lankan to have photographs everywhere. And I send postcards to people. Nick, have you sent a postcard to Simon? You've been complaining (laughs) about not getting one from him. I I know I have no expectation that he'd send me one either. Like the every idea that, yeah, I mean I've never sent a postcard to anyone really. Take the high road, Nick. Send one first. <laughs> Do you think I should start sending him postcards? I'd have to write down his bloody address. Oh, it's just a lot of admin, you know, just a lot of work to get that done. Do you? Are you so you actually send postcards from Sri Lanka to people? I do. You're dead nice. You see, vacations are kind of new to me. When I was working at the university and I was a research assistant, the only vacation I could afford was a weekend. And now yeah. when I can actually go on vacation to places, I it's it's that, you know, it's it's part of the pleasure. 
Haha, look where I've been. I've been on a beach in France. Haha. <laughs> look at me. No, I mean, all they'd get is the fish key and no shields. Well, I'm not sure that's a really an attractive postcard in itself. But, but yeah, maybe that's something I should start doing. I don't know. Simon's never said anything about postcards, so now I feel like maybe I should have given him a postcard. Maybe he's been expecting one and he's never said anything about it. Um, do you bring gifts back with you? When you say back, which way do you mean? You mean back to Germany? I want to say, I mean, do, either way, do you take yes. gifts from Germany to Sri Lanka? Oh, yes. What do you take? Uh, 30 kilos and like five kilos of clothes. Like what kind of stuff are you buying? Are you just like, is it sort of Susan for something like that? Is it? Is it some kind of like ex- obscure German product? or? Um, um, in Sri Lanka, you don't have a culture of eating honey with with, with right. like bread and in tea and stuff you have it in small bottles and they're sold in ayurvedic uh, medicine shops so it's mm-hmm. a medicinal product and my father likes the right. idea of eating honey and it's a very german thing for him and so we take mm-hmm. him bottles of inca honey like two bottles right nice. that's one kilo it's not nice nick that's one kilo <laughs> that's a whole kilo of clothes that you can't take anymore right yeah. But it's just because you're a good daughter, you know, yeah. that's all it is. So there's bees honey, uh, Ricola. It's not exactly German, but it's the sugar-free stuff. We are the right, okay. diabetic South Asians. So there's a demand for sugar-free gifts back in Sri Lanka. Okay. So there's sugar-free toffees, um, lots of chocolates for neighbors, um, yeah. family. You buy neighbors gifts as well yes like, i'm not buying any na- like i'm not buying any of my neighbors any bloody gifts no chance you know you're starting with postcards you can start with this yeah. nick <laughs> no oh god it's just an expense you take your kilo of honey i'm not going to take a kilo of now what about what you bring back from sri lanka do you bring back a lot of stuff my mother's uh, spices because she makes her own curry powders so i bring some and um I bring back uh, chili flakes because the Sri Lankan chili flakes have a s- certain spice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the chili flakes that you find here, uh, I, yeah, they make you cry. Or they make me cry. <laughs> make you cry because be they're not accurate. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I take anything, I take pfeffer bicer because everyone, all my brothers love those. So they want like these sausage, mm-hmm. sort of dried sausages. They definitely yeah. want those and maybe some chocolate and stuff. But if I bring anything back, it's usually tea, tea and bacon. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so tea. basic. That's my problem. Oh. I'm not, yeah, but it's a real basic British like. Oh, I got to get special tea because they don't have proper tea in Germany. It's very. Do you bring back very twines? Base level British. No. No. <laughs> Come on, man. What do you think I am? A peasant? <laughs> 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 I get uh, Rington's tea, the only tea that you order direct by catalogue. So. Because, because that's the kind of guy I'm. It's the only expense that I'll, the only extremity that I'll go to is for, for anything is really tea. But, but yeah, I feel like I feel like you've got a much better handle on things to bring back. I'm going to have a a deeper think next time I go to the UK, so I can bring back something a little bit more special. This time I brought no back, postcards though. No postcards. So this time I brought back yeah. like some handloom, colourful like sarongs and things to wear during summer. And I think nice. um, I don't find like pretty mixes of colors here on clothes for some reason maybe i'm just shopping at the wrong places so that's very sri lankan to me to have bright pinks and greens Mm -hmm. mostly men get to wear blue or black 
or, or white. Those are the colors that seem to be the options for men's clothes. Although I did buy a pair of very fetching pink uh, trainers. Don't so. fight that. Fight that, Nick. <laughs> fight the, fight the blandness. Don't, believe, I, don't buy into it. <laughs> it's too late. They've got me. <laughs> because I, I because it's it's going to be winter it's going to be dark soon and um i need sunshine i need color and you're not yes you're not going to have like a cheerful post- podcast next time oh no I, well i'm expecting lots of pinks and lots of beautiful hues for yeah. next time you come on the uh on the pod but i just want to say uh yeah thanks dilly for joining us and thanks for stepping into the uh size 11 trainers of i think simon's a size 11 <laughs> i'm assuming he's a size 11 thank you for stepping into simon's shoes this week and uh hopefully we'll have you back on the uh on the show in a in, in a couple of months i really enjoyed my evening thank you so much nick no problem over Suzaman. that brings us to the end of the show we're off to buy some colorful sarongs for those terrible winter months if you're enjoying the podcast why not give us a rating on itunes which only takes a minute and can really help us you can also give us a star rating on spotify so chuck some lovely stars our way that's 25 listeners so far have given us a five star rating if you haven't given us a star rating please consider doing that right now this very second uh, you can retweet us share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home all lowercase on twitter or instagram and you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi slash decades from home and contributing to keep us in rare spices and apparently tea as ever if you have any questions feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover you can tweet simon on at decades from home and you can tweet me at 40 percent german you can also get us on 40 percent german at gmail.com if you have time take a look at 40 percent german.com weekly articles are up every saturday all that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten mal tschüss